on some of these things. Uh, a lot of what I will share, some of it is in my book, The Disciple and Prayer, on the chapter Hindrances to Prayer. Uh, but I want to just talk about being persistent in prayer and also prayer and fasting. But really, I want to focus on prayer. First John chapter 5, verses 14 and 15. It says, now this is the confidence that we have in him. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have the petitions we have asked of him. I want to read this in a few versions just to emphasize the point. The New International Version, NIV, says it like this. This is the confidence we have in approaching God. That if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we know that we have what we asked of him. Another script, another version, New Living Translation. And we are confident that he hears us whenever we ask for anything that pleases him. And since we know he hears us when we make our requests, we also know that he will give us what we ask for. Another version says in verse 15, if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we already possess what we have asked of him. There are other versions that can also bring out the point. But we're talking about being persistent in prayer, but I want to lay this foundation about prayer. This verse is very clear. John the Apostle says that our assurance as believers is that when we ask God anything according to his will, he hears us. We know this. That's what he says. And that if we know he hears us, he makes this amazing statement. He says, we know we have. We already possess the thing that we have asked for. So now, if that is the case, what is the point of asking again? If I know that I already have it, why do I need to be persistent? Why do I need to keep asking? Now, the truth is, logically, that doesn't seem to make sense. However, when you look at what our Lord teaches about prayer, he is the one person that taught the most about being persistent in prayer. In other words, our Lord Jesus taught us, when you look at his teachings, to keep asking God for the same thing over and over again until it happens or until we receive it, or until we get an answer. I think I've shared this quite a few times, but let me share it again. Um, many years ago, um, as a younger Christian, I heard somebody talk about having a trip and going to heaven. Not dying, but going to heaven. And uh, in fact, the preacher had said about how he had asked God to have a look, and God had said to him, you're asking for much. But when I heard that, I decided I am going to ask God to let me have a trip to heaven. And I made it my goal that before I die, I will have a visit to heaven. So I kept asking God. So, and then I would read about people who had visions and they were in heaven and I would be very envious. And I kept asking God, I kept asking God, I kept asking God. 
And then one day, I was lying on my bed, and I had a vision. And I saw the Lord Jesus, and he spoke to me, and he said, Joseph, this is, this is how I heard He said, Joseph. Now, normally, before, when the, when the Lord would speak to me, or certainly when the Holy Spirit would speak to me, he would normally refer to me in a different way. But this time, he was very clear. He said, Joseph, the reason why I have not allowed you to come up here is because if you come, you will not let me let you go back. And that was it. Well, I was very disappointed. But I finally had my answer. I was really, actually, I was really upset. I mean, it's, Never mind that you just had a vision and seen the Lord in the vision. It's like the fact that he says, I can't come because I'm going to say, I'm happy to be dead now. So, uh, but that was, my, that was my answer. Now, I re- the reason why I say that is that I asked the Lord for over a decade, consistently, for many, many times. I don't know how often I'll ask, but many times I asked. And then I finally got this answer. And the answer wasn't even to my liking. And that's the point. So I'm just saying that to say, sometimes there are many times in our walk with God that we want something that is very dear to us, very important to us. And we are clear in the scriptures that it is his will. You see, I'm not talking about praying for things that is not God's will, or we don't know whether it's God's will. That's not what we're talking about. This is where you know it's God's will. So, for instance, it's God's will for people to be healed. It's God's will for people to be saved. It's God's will for people's lives to be enriched. It's God's will for people to be free from mental oppression. God's, God's will is wonderful in so many respects. It's God's will for us to be free from certain bondages. So there are, there are many things that the Bible makes it clear that it's God's will for us. However, we will pray about it and still not see what we are asking God for. How many of you know that experience? How many of you? The rest of you don't know that experience. Okay. Hallelujah. All of us know that experience. Everybody. Even unbelievers have prayed about things. They don't believe in God, but when they're desperate, they'll ask God to help. And then if it doesn't happen, they say, you see, he doesn't exist. And if it does happen, they'll say it was coincidence. (laughs) But it says, this is our confidence that anything we ask according to his will, he hears us. So, establish that point. And then he says, and if we know he hears us, and this is crucial. So the point is, everything we ask according to his will, God hears us, whether we know it or not. So anytime you're praying about something according to his will, God has heard you. Whether you know it or not, that's the first point. But then the second point, and if we know that he hears us, whatever we ask, we have what we have asked. Or like one version says, we already possess it. So, when you ask God for something, he hears you. But do you know that he hears you? Are you convinced in your heart that he hears you? Because if you're convinced in your heart that he hears you, then he says, you have what he has already heard you about. You have it. All right. 
So why do I need to be persistent? I want to read a few scriptures about being persistent in scripture. And as I do this, I will touch on them um, about why persistence is important. First of all, there is the Lord's exhortation for us, encouragement for us as his people to be persistent in prayer. Matthew chapter 7, verses 7 and 8. And I want to read it in the New Living Translation version. He says this, sorry, in the Amplified version, he says this, ask and keep on asking and it will be given to you. Seek and keep on seeking and you will find. Knock and keep on knocking the door. Keep on knocking and the door will be opened to you. For this, no, the Amplified Version. Okay, it's okay. Thank you. Brilliant. For everyone who asks or who keeps, ask, keeps on asking receives. And he who keeps on seeking finds. And to him who keeps on knocking, it will be opened. Now, the reason why they've translated it this way is that in the Greek, the way it's written, it's written in the present continuous tense. So ask and keep asking. And that's why they've done it this way. Because in the normal translations, you just say, ask and you'll receive. Seek and you'll find. Knock and it will open. So it's easy for you to assume you just ask once. Now, the Lord is the one who said this. Ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep on asking. Seek and keep on seeking. So many Christians don't learn to be persistent about the thing they believe and know God wants for them. So many of us. Because I've walked with the Lord for a reasonable amount of time, this is my 37th year of walking with the Lord. I have seen... When you are persistent, now not in every area of my life, but in many areas of my life and the life of others, when you are persistent in asking God for something, especially something that has to do with his will, that will help you to be a better Christian, when you are persistent over time, I have seen over and over and over again, God supernaturally intervene and bring about the thing that appeared impossible. But it is this exhortation, ask and keep on asking. Being persistent, keep doing the same thing. Now, we've been fasting. And fasting is a tremendous vehicle when it comes to prayer, like we touched on two weeks ago. And the thing I notice about persistence in prayer and with fasting as well is that Sometimes the fast only needs to be for three days. Sometimes, in fact, sometimes the fast is just for one day. Another time is for three days. Another time it was for 10 days. Another time it was for 21 days. And the maximum amount of time was for 40 days. And then there is tremendous breakthrough. So what I noticed, what I realized is that when fasting is added to the equation, it's Speeds up the process because some things you can be praying for for weeks and months and years. But when it comes to adding fasting to it, suddenly what would have taken a while to happen is accelerated. So the maximum time frame appears to be 40 days. If you are fasting for 40 days about something, oh, it's not a milkshake fast, this one. This is water fast. 
So you need to check your, um, um, if you've got any health issues, check first. Most of us, if we're honest, we've got enough to last us for 400 days. <laughs> Hallelujah. <laughs> uh, but the, 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 the thing is, fasting just seems to accelerate the process. So that's the first exhortation. The second example of persistence in prayer is the example of Elijah being persistent in James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18. Now, the reason why I like to read the James narrative is because it's very easy, if we refer to what happened in 1 Kings 18, to think, oh, it's Old Testament, so it's not for today. A lot of times, people are lazy spiritually, so when they see something like, let's say, in the Old Testament, they just say, oh, it's not for today. It's a lot, it involves a lot of work. We're under grace, so we don't have to do that, and it will still come. Well, James the Apostle, this is Jesus' younger brother, his, his, his half-brother, he writes about this, and he says, in James chapter 5, verses 16 to 18, confess your trespasses to one another, and pray for one another that you may be healed. The effective, fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, and he prayed that, and he prayed earnestly, I beg your pardon, that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave rain, and the earth produced its fruit. Now, I want you to notice the context that James uses when it comes to Elijah praying for a national situation, he uses it within the context of believers praying for each other for healing. He says, confess your trespasses. That word trespasses is intentional sin. Where you intentionally sin. He says, confess your trespasses one for another. In other words, there's a boundary that God has established and you knowingly break that boundary. Confess your trespasses one to another. Say to your neighbor, maybe it's time to do some confession. Say to your neighbor. Because, uh, because uh, I noticed some of you just kept looking straight. <laughs> because there are certain afflictions, not always. So don't, please, I don't, well, I don't get any email anyway about these kind of things. But I don't need you to come to me and say to me, are you trying to say that the reason why I'm sick is because I've been trespassing? I don't know. I'm not God. There are many reasons why people fall ill and so forth. So I'm not saying that every kind of sickness has to do with this. But here James says, confess your trespasses to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Now, he says it, but how should we pray for one another? So this is believers praying for believers because previously he had showed us, if you read earlier on, he has showed us a context in which you bring the elders in. If anyone is sick, let him call for the elders of the church and let them anoint him with oil and the prayer of faith will save the sick. And if they've committed any sins, they will be forgiven. Now, I want to point out that one. Let me just say this about that one. It's where you call for the elders. It's not where we come to you, search for you like, you know, where is he, where is she? And then we finally find, oh, I've been sick. It's not like that. And we can pray for you. But it's where you call. Because your calling is your act of faith. And so when the elders come and they anoint you with oil. And they also pray the prayer of faith. He promises healing. 
There is that dynamic. But this one here is not the eldest. This one is confess your trespasses to each other. This is fellow believers. And pray for each other that you may be healed. And then, but it's how do we pray for each other? The way Elijah prayed. How Elijah prayed for each other. For, sorry, how Elijah prayed for rain to come and rain not to come is how we to pray for each other. So to understand how Elijah prayed, we have to look at it in, in, in the Old Testament. But before we do that, look at what he says in verse 17. He says, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. And he prayed earnestly that it would not rain and it did not rain on the land for three years and six months. So, Elijah prayed not because he was a prophet. Because he's not referring to his office. He said, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours, just like you and me. And within that context, he prayed earnestly that it should not rain. And it did not rain. With all his flaws, with all his issues. Do you have any flaws? I asked the question, do you have any flaws? You online, I'm sure you have a few. He was a man with a nature just like ours, but he prayed earnestly. So how did he pray earnestly? How did he, you see, because sometimes when people pray, it's very, it's almost, there's no emotion. Father God, bring the rain. In Jesus' name, amen. And if there's nothing, it's not working. But that's not how Elijah prayed. Earnestly means his spirit, his soul, and his body was involved. In fact, when we look at it, you see he took a posture as if he was giving birth. And he really cried out to God. It was intense. Now, this is my personal opinion. I think he prayed probably for one hour. The first time. And after he had prayed for, really given it his shot, he said to Gehazi, go check to see if the rain, if there's any clouds. And there was no cloud. So the earnestly that he prayed was not some one of something of intensity. When you read it in 1 Kings chapter 18, it was seven times. In fact, let's turn to it. 1 Kings 18 Verse 1. So, Elijah was a man with a nature like ours. He prayed earnestly that it should not rain, and it did not rain. And he prayed again, and the heaven gave way. So, in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse 1, we see how he prayed again. Now, the Bible doesn't show us how he prayed the first time. The first time where he prayed that it shouldn't rain. The Bible doesn't show it. It just says in 1 Kings chapter 17, he appears before Ahab and says, As the Lord God lives before whom I stand, there's not going to be any rain except I say so. And then, three and a half years later, he turns up and says to Ahab, there's going to be rain. But look at the context. 1 Kings 18 verse 1. And it came to pass after many days that the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying, Go present yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the earth. So he heard from God. Remember the scripture. 
This is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know he hears us, whatever we ask, we know we have the petitions we have requested of him. So, he heard from God. God said, go present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. So, he does this. He comes before Ahab. He deals with the false prophets of Jezebel. And then in verse 40, it says this. Sorry, verse 41, I beg your pardon. It says this. Then Elijah said to Ahab, Go up, eat and drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. So Ahab went up to eat and drink, and Elijah went up to the top of Carmel, which is a mountain, mountain called Carmel. Then he bowed down on the ground and put his face between his knees. Well, I am not really that elastic to do it. If I tried, some things could happen. You know, he, he bows down, puts his head between his knees, and he begins to pray. Do you think that he did it for like a few seconds? You don't get into that posture, oh, it's enough cramp, and then get up. He pray, so that's what he did. And, set, and then he prayed and said to his servant, go up now and look toward the sea. Now remember, the Bible describes it that he prayed earnestly. So he goes into this posture and he prays earnestly. Now, remember, he had heard from God and he had also made a prophetic declaration. Go up, I'm hearing rain. Now, this is where many believers miss it. Because they've heard God tell them something, they think it's automatic. God has said it, I believe it, that settles it. Isn't that a beautiful cliche? Well, sometimes it's not true. It won't, it's settled, sure, but you have nothing. Your situation will remain the same. It's all locked in the spirit. So, Elijah has heard God. He makes a declaration. And then he goes to the top of the mountain and begins to pray. He prays earnestly the first time. And 43, and said to his servant, go up now, look toward the sea. So he went up and looked and said, there is nothing. Your prayer is not working, pastor. I've checked. There's no cloud. We've been praying for two, two years now for a revival. The church, when we started praying, our church was growing. Since we started praying, our church is shrinking. What's happening? Mm. And seven times he said, go again. So imagine, if you were the servant, I think the prophet is losing his mind. You've sent me once. You sent me twice. I'm not your lucky boy that you keep sending up. Go and look, go and look. Can't you go and look yourself? What's wrong with your legs? Now, I want you to think it through. We're both on this mountain. You're praying, 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 praying. And I'm waiting, waiting, waiting. Getting a bit hungry, you know. No. Now, if I am right, and it was seven times, and let's just say it started at 6 a.m. Normally, it would be probably about 9. So he's praying, praying, praying. It's getting a bit hot. If I'm Gehazi, wait, my friend. You know, it's time, lunch, lunch break. Praying, 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 praying. And then, go and check. He goes to check, nothing. Second time, nothing. Third time, nothing. Fourth time, nothing. Oh, come on, this is long. It's now, it's now two o'clock. Fifth time, nothing. Sixth time, nothing. But he kept persevering. And seven speaks of perfection. In other words, he was complete. He was ready to go 700 times. That's the point. 
He was ready to keep going until he saw his answer. Because God had already spoken to him. So because God had spoken to him, it didn't matter for him how long he went for. And seven speaks of completion. Speaks of perfection. Now, you see, you want to see things in your family. And you pray some small prayer, then you complain. Pray some small prayer, then you complain. You've just canceled the prayer, by the way, with all your complaining. So start again. You know, you're, you're, you're praying some small prayer. Okay, you're not complaining. And then, okay, I'm not complaining. By faith, it's done. Praying, 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 sweating. Losing weight. Happy. But still, there's no answer. That's what happened with Elijah. And it's in that context that James said he prayed again. And then on the seventh time, he says, it came to pass on the seventh time that he said, there is a cloud as, a, as small as a man's hand rising out of the sea. So he said, Elijah said, go up, say to Ahab, prepare your chariot and go down before the rain stops you. Now it happened in the meantime that the sky became black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain, etc. So the point I want you to see is that he heard from God, he made a prophetic declaration, but he had to pray it through. And it was within this context that James says to us, pray for one another that we are healed. Is it any wonder why at times it's difficult to see healing? Because we are not prepared to pray this way for each other. I was saying to Aish the other day that what I have found is that when it comes to praying for people who are not in our church or praying for people who don't know our teaching and stuff like that, it's a lot easier. It's a lot easier to minister to people and to move in the power is easier. But when it comes to the people that you've been feeding for 25 years, some, to pray for them sometimes, it won't happen. You pray, 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 but nothing happens because, you see, there comes a time where you have to use your own faith. You have to use your own faith. God will not do it through the pastor. That's why we pray for one another. We pray for one another that we may be healed. At times, we think that somebody else has to do it for us. No, we have to learn to do it for somebody else. So, this is simple, but it's very, very, very important that we understand this truth about persistence in prayer. Being persistent in prayer is not because God has delayed in answering. He hears immediately, as we've already established, but the delay is in the manifestation of the answer. Another example of persistence that our Lord teaches is the parable of a friend. The parable of the friend in Luke chapter 11 from verses 5 to 9. And uh, I'm going to read this one. I'm going to read it and then some of you are reading the Amplified and the New Living Translation. He says, and he said to them, which of you shall have a friend and go to him at midnight and say to him, friend, let me free loaves of, lend me free loaves. For a friend of mine has come to me on his journey and I have nothing to set before him. 
And he will answer from within and say, do not trouble me. The door is now shut and my children are with me in bed. I cannot rise and give to you. I say to you, though he will not rise and give to him because he is his friend, yet because of his persistence, he will rise and give him as many as he needs. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and it will be opened to you. I want to read verse 8 and 9 in the Amplified. It says this, I tell you, although he will not get up and supply him anything because he is his friend, Yet because of his shameless persistence and insistence, he will get up and give him as much as he needs. So I say to you, ask and keep on asking and he shall be given you, etc. So the parable is simple. A friend comes to another friend. He needs some bread. And because we are friends, you know, when you have a real friend, you can tell him exactly what you think. You know, if the pastor comes and knocks on your door at midnight, knock, knock. Who's that? Maybe the missus says, who's that knocking at the door at this time of the night? And then, I don't know, let's go and have a look. And then, oh, it's pastor. Hey, Pastor Joe. Okay, it's okay. Don't worry, pastor. Son, your, your, your tone changes. It's okay, no, you're not disturbing us, Pastor. I hope. You're not disturbing us, Pastor. It's okay, come, 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 come. What do you need? Because it's the pastor, you're all, your faculties are sharp. Oh, Pastor. And the man of, even the man of the house, oh, Pastor, is great. Don't worry, no, no, no. We were sleeping, but it's okay. We were sleeping, but. But if it's your friend, who's that knocking at the door this time? I think it's Agnes. What? you want now tell her to go away she should have some consideration because it's your friend you know I don't know how some people do friendships if it's your friend you can tell them what you think you know oh you talk some rubbish sometimes honestly sometimes Christians the way we do friends I'm not very sure brother in Christ sister in Christ hallelujah you can't say anything to something. It'd be like, very sensitive. That's not proper friendship. Proper friendship. Sometimes I like to tell my friends, what planet are you on? Because this doesn't sound like you're on earth. Like they'll come with some, something. I feel God is telling me, blah, blah, blah. And I just laugh. No, he's not. Tell the truth. Don't stop lying. Your friend can tell you that, isn't it? I hope. The way some of you are answering. If you have a friend who's oversensitive, they're not your friend. They're a ministry member. You minister to them. They're not a friend. Anyone, no matter how sensitive we are, and some of us are pretty sensitive, but when it comes to our friends, all that sensitivity is out the window. Otherwise, we're going to be hurt more. They'll slap us and slap us, eat our food. You know, sometimes my friends, they'll be eating, and I'll say, What's that then? And they'll do this. Because I'm their friend. They know what's going to come. But if the pastor, let's say if it was a pastor, like our pastor, I said, what is that? Then? Oh, sir, would you like some? <laughs> yeah. So our Lord is saying that even though the person will not give because it's their friend who's disturbing them at this time of the night, because of their persistence, shameless, 
shameless persistence, they will give whatever they ask. <laughs> and then he says, and on that note, I am saying to you, ask and keep on asking. Ask and keep asking God like a shameless friend will ask their friend. Will insist their friend gives them something. That's what God is saying. Ask and keep on asking. Is that how you ask? You, listen, sometimes, listen, the scripture says, let us come boldly before the throne of grace. There is no way on my watch any of my children are going to go to hell. Not on my watch. Never. It cannot happen. They cannot die until they're born again. It's impossible. Not on my watch. None of my children are going to experience certain things. No, no, no. We pray in advance for who they'll marry. We put embargoes in the spirit. They meet some weird one. Never. Can't happen. No, 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 no. You have to insist before God. But if you settle for whatever comes your way under the guise of maybe this is God's will for my life, man, that can be a very unhappy situation. Don't get me wrong. At times we're dealing with some very difficult situations. Very difficult. Like what was shared earlier on. Um, who was it? It was Christine, Christine was, Chris was sharing earlier on. Sometimes it's very difficult. You know, I've had quite a few bad news of late of people that I know who have, have suddenly died. It's very difficult. Some of them we've prayed for in the past. It's very difficult. But it doesn't change what the scriptures teach about being persistent in prayer. All right, just a few lessons from this persistent friend then I want to highlight. Number one, persistent prayer Will all, must always begin by asking in faith. Luke chapter 11 verse 9, he says, so I say ask and keep on asking. Now, you cannot ask God for something and then be in doubt about what you're asking him. Will he or won't he? Will he or won't he? And that's why you have to settle. You have to find out his will. What is his will? What is his will? And his will is in his word. His will is in his word. The scriptures is full of lessons about the will of God. Clarity about the will of God. So as the children of God, we don't have to be in a, uh, in a sense of mystery when it comes to the will of God. Look, you want your child healed? You start praying and praying and praying and declaring and praying. Thank you, Lord. Your word is clear. By stripes, we were healed. You sent your word and healed and delivered from our destructions. Your word is clear about you heal all our diseases. That none of our own, the diseases of Egypt will not fall on any of our own. So, your word is clear. So, Father, I speak over my child. Healing, 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 healing. And I believe being persistent this way will yield results Within the grace of God. But we cannot ask God for something and then doubt him. We must trust him by demonstrating our faith in him and pray with persistence. Please don't misunderstand me. When it comes to our children, that's one of the hardest things to pray for. When you see your child and is not well and 
It's really hard. And sometimes in those circumstances, others need to come alongside us and stand with us because our emotions are all over the place and we can't think straight. And that's why others need to come a- a- around us. Do you understand? So I, I know how difficult that is. Some things, sometimes when I see some of the, what our parents go, go through, I just admire them. I just think they're amazing people with what the, some of the challenges they're having to deal with. So don't misunderstand me. I am not suggesting that it's easy. I'm not suggesting that at all. It's not easy. But we have to ask in faith. Hebrews eleven six says, without faith, it's impossible to please him. And that means we have to ask convinced about his will. That's what faith is, convinced about his will. Secondly, persistence in prayers means we, ex- we have an expected outcome. He says in Luke eleven ten, everyone who asks receives, and he who seeks finds. So you must have an expected outcome. When you are praying and you're being persistent in your heart and in your mind, you must see what it is that you want to happen. Sometimes you should write it down, print it out, put it all over your house. One of the testimonies, one of our children was really going through a difficult time when it came to education. We never, we never allowed that individual to feel insecure. What we did do, Aisha and I, was pray very specifically into it. And then we would all as a family pray into it together. And so when the transformation came, they gave glory to God. And so sometimes some of these things, especially when it's to do the family, family and your family prayer times, you know, um, our family prayer time, to be frank, the pastor, you know, is after we finish eating. That's the best time. We finish eating, and normally the, the priest of the house, Joel, will say, are we going to pray? And the high priest of the house is feeling lazy. Yeah, we're going to pray. And he has this kind of naughty glint in his eyes. So we pray. Simple, simple prayers. It, it's not, look, in my house, we're prayerful. Aisha's very prayerful. We're prayerful, but we don't have long prayer meetings. Our children won't stand for it. And they don't like me singing during the prayer time. So we don't have worship times either. We just pray. They won't stand for it. I try. They always laugh. And Joe will like to say, Daddy, would you like to sing? And they'll all be laughing. Daniel, Joel, Carice, and mommy will be just looking like, what is wrong with my husband? I'm worshiping God. Feel the presence. And they're all laughing. And I'm not even joking. But have an expected outcome. So sometimes in these prayer points, what I'm highlighting is, it doesn't have to be a long, drawn-out thing when you're praying with your family and you lose everybody. Third thing about persistent prayer is this. It must be specific. So you've got your outcome. Be specific because God requires specificity. Luke 11, 11 and 12. If a son asks for bread from any father among you, will he give him a stone? Or if he asks for a fish, will he give him a serpent instead of a fish? Or if he asks for an egg, will he offer him a scorpion? I just got five minutes left and then I'm done. So these verses, they highlight three requests from a child that 
echo areas of need in our lives, spiritually and even in the natural. The bread speaks of the word of God. The fish speaks of the work of God. And the egg speaks of the favor of God. And basically, what he's showing us is that in any of these areas, you must learn to be persistent. When it comes to growing in understanding in God's word, in revelation, you must learn to be persistent. Because if you're not persistent, you won't grow. You have to keep asking God, Lord, help me to know your word. Help me to um, feed on your word. That's what the bread is. If a child asks for bread, when it comes to the fish, follow me, I'll make you fishes of men. It speaks of ministry, so winning. If you want to do God's work, you must learn to be persistent in asking God to change you. Because our natural proclivity is not to do God's work. We, we are not naturally disposed. We want to do our work. Not God's work. Our. And call it God's work. We do our thing and then call it God's thing. It's really for God. No, it's not. Don't lie. Just say, this is mine. Okay, Lord, I'm doing mine. Now, help me to want to do yours. I can prove it to you. You think about this online prayer business. Sometimes we say, oh, I would really join the church in prayer, but it's far. How many of you have said that before? Let's be honest. Hey! Only a few honest people right now. But so we brought it to your house. And you deliberately forget. Sometimes a thing pops up on your phone. In Jesus' name, be gone. What is all this? CLF, you like WhatsApp or messages too much. What's all this? Just leave me alone. It's nine o'clock. It's not time for praying. But you said. If it was, if it was close, you'd be there. It's right in your bedroom. Bedroom. I'm telling you, it's normal. It's normal. Then there are those who say, oh, no, 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 no. I don't do online. If we met together. So we created a time so that makes your, what time is it? Oh, no, 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 no. That's late. Ten thirty. Oh no 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 no! Normally asleep or watching latest Friday night movie. You'd be surprised. Look, that's normal. I understand that. So you have to ask God, help me to like to do Your work, change me, and you have to keep being persistent. Work on my heart. Work on my heart. Work on my heart. Work on. And as you keep being persistent, one day you will notice you are different. That's how it is. But if you are waiting for the revival to hit you before you even ask, wait till Jesus comes. That's a nice line. (laughs) Fourth point, quickly, we're nearly done. Persistent prayer must be rooted in a revelation of God's love. Look at Luke 11, 13. If you then being evil know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your heavenly father give the best gift, the Holy Spirit, to those who ask him? So, he gives, persistent prayer is rooted in the revelation that God loves me. God loves us. God is generous towards us. 
towards me, towards you. He is generous. And he, he, he says, no good thing will he withhold from those who walk uprightly. And last but not least. Now, in fact, that is it. That is it. It must be rooted in the revelation of God's love. So be very clear when you are praying and you're being persistent. You're doing it because you know your father loves you. Amen. We're going to pray. I'm going to pray. So we've been fasting. And uh, before we started the fast, there was a prophetic word that went forth that some of those of us who wanted to should sow something every week. Now, I'll be honest with you, I, I said to the Lord, definitely I'll do it. And then I forgot. I kept forgetting. So when the service was going on, I did my sowing. I did it. And I said, Lord, I'll sow that seed that I had promised to do during the fast. I want to encourage you, if God spoke to you about something that you're supposed to do during the fast, do it. It may not be what I have had. It may be something different to yours. But also, maybe you've been praying into something during this fast. Don't quit. You know, the Bible says in Daniel chapter 10, when Gabriel came to Daniel, he said, from the day that you began to pray, you were heard and I was sent. But the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me for 21 days. Now Daniel fasted for 21 days. And after the fast, on the 22nd day, that's when the answer came. But Gabriel said, I was, you were heard on the day you began. But for 21 days, I was being held back. There is a mystery to persistent prayer. But one thing I do know, it works. James said, the effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. What it literally means is the prayers of a righteous man makes tremendous power available that is dynamic in its effect. So when you are praying and praying and praying, it appears you're building up supernatural power on your behalf to be executed on your behalf. I want to pray with you that your faith will not fail, that as we have fasted, a spirit of prayer and supplication and persistence in prayer will come up upon you and that you from today will begin to be very intentional and persistent about the things that God has assured you belong to you. If that is your desire, stand where you are right now. And as you stand, raise your two hands to the Lord. Going to pray over you, going to bless you. Those of you online, I want to encourage you to do the same, to commit yourself to the Lord, whatever it is, the area that you're standing concerning. So lift your hands to the Lord right now. Father, thank you for these wonderful people. Thank you for your word. And those online, thank you for speaking into us. And Lord, we, we receive your word right now. And I just speak a release of the spirit of prayer of persistence in prayer to come upon all of us that are standing and that can hear what is being said. Lord, even as a church, help us to be persistent in prayer, to prevail in prayer, and to see the manifestation of our prayers. I bless your people. I pray, oh God, whatever you, they, they are standing concerning when it comes to the area of fasting, whatever it is that they were praying into, Give them grace to see his manifestation. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen.
The Lord bless you. You may take your seats. Thank you.